and wailed for him. Jesus turned and said to them, Daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me. Weep for yourselves. He was concerned about people. He wasn't concerned about himself. He said, weep for yourselves. Let's skip down to verse 32. It says, two other men, both criminals, thieves, were also let out with him to be executed. When they came to the place of the skull, there they crucified him along with the criminals, one on the right, the other on the left. And Jesus said, listen to these words in red, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they are doing. They divided up his clothes cast by casting lots. The people stood watching, and the rulers even sneered at him. They said, he saved others. Let him save himself if he is the Christ of God, the chosen one. The soldiers also came up, and they mocked him. In those words, we see forgiveness. It says, save yourself. Well, that's the last thing that was on Jesus' mind. How many know Jesus could have jumped off the cross and performed a a miraculous sign right there? But the last thing on his mind was saving himself. You were on his mind. Turn Turn with me to Matthew chapter 27. Matthew 27, verse 45. Listen to what it says. It says, from the sixth hour to the ninth hour, darkness came over all the land. About the ninth hour, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, laba satami, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Those red letters right there, those, that, those words, first of all, fulfill prophecy, which is important, and we understand that Jesus fulfilled over 380 prophecies in his lifetime. But it also gives us the picture how ugly our sin is. At that moment on the cross, the sin of the world, your sin, my sin, is on the back of Jesus. In God's nature, he couldn't look on his own son because he can't tolerate sin. Let's go to John chapter 19. Another great passage in the final moments of Jesus' life. Before he was resurrected, of course, John 19 says later, knowing that all was completed, he completed everything that he came to do. And so that scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, and again, some red letters here. He said, I am thirsty. A moment of humanity. And it's interesting that in that verse right there, we understand it again, fulfilled prophecy. We knew that Jesus would, would say, I am thirsty. It was prophesied uh, in Isaiah. And then it says a large or a uh, jar of wine vinegar was there. So they soaked a sponge in it, put the sponge on a stalk on a hyssop plant, and they lifted it to Jesus' lips. And when he received the drink, Jesus said, again in red letters, it is finished. What's important for us to understand, he didn't say, I am finished. He said, it is finished. What was prophesied had been completed. What was required by the law to cover sin had been completed. Justice had been served. Our sin had been paid in full. And also, when you look at that word, it is finished, the word is tetelestai, and it means, it, it can be mean a battle cry. And Jesus in Mark 
in, uh, in Matthew and in Luke, it says his last words were more of a cry or a shout. He said, it is finished. He's saying, I conquered death in the grave. And how important is that for us to understand? And the reason we can celebrate Easter, because just in a few short days, he was resurrected and uh, back to life and now seated on the right hand of the Father. Now, we've looked at these passages before. I want to go back to Luke chapter 23 one more time. Luke chapter 23 says, The soldiers came up and mocked him. They offered him wine vinegar and uh, says this. It says, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. And we'll talk about that in a minute. It says, There was written a notice above his head which reads, This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you are under the same sentence? We are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when, he, when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus answered this. He says, I tell you the truth, today you will be with me in paradise. I want you to say that, those words with me. I tell you the truth, today you will be with me in paradise. And today we're going to focus on Luke chapter 23. Again, when we look at this, we understand that there were three crosses there, that the place of the skull, Golgotha, all three of these criminals were beaten and bloody. Had Jesus himself had been through six trials overnight. No food, no water. He's losing blood. Two nails in his hands, two nails in his feet, and never said a thing about his pain. But there was this interaction in Luke chapter 23 that is really profound, and I want us to get a glimpse of it. Because there's interaction between the two thieves one of the thieves hurled insults at him and said, said you know, if you can save us, save, save us too. And, and uh, you know, saying, look, you're not who you said you are. But then there was the other one that humbled himself and said, look, remember me. And in that moment, perhaps the most grace-filled words in all of Scripture, Jesus says, today you will be with me in paradise. Now, when we look at Luke 23, it kind of begs the question, how good of a person are you? How good of a person are you? I want you to think about this for a moment. If you were to rank yourself between 1 and 100, 1 being the scum of all scum, you know, uh, you know just you know, the bottom of the barrel, you know, ex-murderer, uh, um, you know, someone, you know, maybe a Hitler might come to mind, you know, that's 1 on the one side. And 100 being perfection, Jesus, or maybe someone that would be close, Mother Teresa or Billy Graham, something like that. I'm wondering, how would you rate yourself from 1 to 100? Jason, uh, how would you rate yourself? I've known this question for a while. 50. Okay, all right, so we got a 50. Jessica, how would you rate yourself? A near one dollar rate here for you, all right? All right, I want you to turn to your neighbor and uh, tell two or three people what you would rate yourself. Just do that amongst yourselves. Find out what your neighbors would rate themselves as. 
One to 100, all right? Just do it. Let's, here we go. All right, make sure you're telling somebody. How would you rate yourself? One being the worst, the creepy. If you have five or more cats, you're a one, okay? <laughs> or 100 being perfect in every way. Jesus, of course, would be the example there. All right, so what would your number be? What would your number be? All right, let's take a little poll. All right, how many here with the raising of your hands, any between 1 and 30s? Yeah, right here, 1 to 30. All right, we got a couple 1 to 30s. Let's get these guys out of here, all right? Let's get them out of here, all right? 1 to 30s. How about uh, did you rate yourself between 30 and 50? Just raise your hand, all right? Okay, keep your hands raised, all right? Now the rest of us, these are the people, this is why we could rate ourselves higher than 50, okay? All right, how many between 50 and 80? Any 50 to 80, okay? Anybody rate yourself between 80 and 100? Raise your hand, that's right. <laughs> she says, raise your hand. <laughs> that's right. Those people make us sick, don't they? <laughs> Well, there's a problem with comparing ourselves with each other. The first problem is that for some of us, you might feel better about yourself. How many after sharing with your neighbor and you hear what they rated themselves, how many of you felt better about yourself? Just raise your hand. Just, just be honest, all right? All right? So a few of you are saying, oh, I'm not so bad, right? The other problem, though, is that you may feel worse about yourself. You may feel inadequate, and that's certainly the case uh, in my case, you know, we look at, you know, we look at someone and we say, man, you know, maybe it's a super mom, you know, the mom that's uh, annoyingly perfect. Do you know what I'm talking about? The person who, you know, she gets her kids to school on time, dressed, teeth brushed, hair combed, and she pulls up in the swagger wagon with Christian music going and says, goodbye, kids, I love you. Don't, don't that, doesn't that make you sick, Right? We secretly hate her guts. Or how about this? How about the guy financially who just, you know, it seems like he makes money. Uh, he's got the golden touch. Uh, he's got all the toys and the cars, got the nice bling watch or, or maybe a boat or his stock options just seem to just grow and grow and grow despite what the rest of our stocks do. Doesn't, doesn't that guy make you sick? Or even in spiritually, you say, well, I want to serve God, Right? I want to do what's right. I want to volunteer. But then there's that super Christian, always quoting verses, always the good Samaritan. Boy, you hear the person pray. It's so eloquent. You're saying, well, I can't be that good. And we compare ourselves, right? Now, the question is, what would drive your number up? Any of your thoughts on that? You know, what kind of things would drive your number up? Maybe, you know, uh, you know praying more or uh, you know, serving or giving, I don't know. What would drive your number down? I mean, that's maybe a little easier. You know, you know the sin in your life, right? You know, uh, maybe uh, mistakes, you know, a bad attitude. Um, you know, maybe if you, you know, uh, you know had, a, had a bad thought or something like that. And the problem is, is that we might try to go from bad to good. Or, boy, we compare each other and we thought we were good. And now we think, oh, man, we're bad. Well, let me just say, when we look at Luke 23, there is no doubt about it. The criminals that hung on the cross with Jesus, they were not good. <laughs> they were being crucified, and crucified for a reason. 
And if you study crucifixion in the Roman Empire, crucifixion was an expensive way to kill someone. It took a minimum of four Roman soldiers, usually a centurion, and it was a long, drawn-out process. Many times, the people on the cross would be there for days, agonizing, before they would take their final breath. It was torture. It was humiliation. It was the Romans' way to deal with the worst of the worst. And what's interesting is you study, almost in every case, the, those that were crucified were slaves. They weren't even Romans most of the time. It was their slaves, and they were making a point, a public, a public testimony saying, look, if you don't follow our rule, this is what will happen to you. And you know what's interesting? Jesus, what did they put above Jesus' head? King of the Jews, right? What they were saying in that moment as they put that sign above his head, they were saying, look, you call yourself a king, a king of the Jews, but no, we are in control. The Roman authority, and they made a public spectacle of our Savior and Lord. Now, the thieves, they were bad. <clears throat> it's interesting. I want you to turn uh, with me uh, to Luke chapter 23, if you're not still there. Uh, Luke 23, let's look at this. Look, look at verse 39. It says this. It says, one of the criminals hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Christ? Save yourself and us. Verse 40, but the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you are under the same sentence? And then he says something really important in verse 41. It says, we are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. They were bad. They had done some bad things. We don't know specifically what they had done. But what's great is at the end of the day, one of them was forgiven and the other one was not. And I wonder why. Well, the first reason why is because forgiven people admit they're wrong. Forgiven people admit that they are wrong. Let's look at the one thief that was forgiven, verses 39. He says this, uh, one of them uh, hurled insults, aren't you the Christ, save yourself, verse 40. But the other criminal rebuked him don't you fear god we are punished justly we are getting what we deserve but this man has done nothing wrong he said jesus remember me when you come into your kingdom forgiven people admit they're wrong and i don't know about you but it is hard sometimes for me to admit when i've done something wrong does anyone else have a hard time admitting you're wrong? You get, you know, you get caught in, uh, in maybe you're driving down the road and you've made a wrong turn or you've missed, uh, missed something. Um, how many guys relate with me? You're like, hey, we'll just get there. We don't need to stop. I'm not wrong. I'm just taking a different route, right? Has that ever happened to you? I, I know. Thank you. I appreciate that hand. And uh, what's interesting, though, is we often will compare. We're saying, well, I'm not as bad as so-and-so or as bad as this person and we compare ourselves now the bad news is is that compared to god we are all a big fat what zero no one is a hundred no one is even even close and i can remember one of the times growing up for me 
when I came face to face with that truth, with that reality. I don't know about you, but when we had family occasions uh, at Christmas time, Thanksgiving, we would come in our grandma's house, we'd take off our coats, and we'd all throw them in the spare bedroom and put them on the, on the uh, bed in the spare bedroom. Anyone ever do that at your house? You know, you have guests over and you just throw all the, all, pile all the coats. Well, I remember, it was either Thanksgiving or Christmas, I can't remember, but it was cold out. We're in Michigan. I grew up in the Detroit area. And I remember we, were all, we all threw our coats in there. And later in the night, my, my cousins and I, we were playing hide-and-go-seek and, go seek and uh, you know, just romp, uh, you know, going around, uh, romping around the house. And I end up hiding in the room with all these coats and with these purses. And I remember at probably the age of eight or nine, I remember saying, hmm, I wonder what's in this purse. And I don't even know whose purse it was. I open it up, and right there before me was a few, uh, several bills. And I looked at that. And as a young man, young boy, I look around. I'm hiding. They're still counting. I slipped out a $10 bill and put it in my pocket. I know what you're thinking. You are a bad man, <laughs> right? And I remember that, and I remember feeling later, I didn't give it back. I never told anybody, but I remember feeling sick to my stomach, saying, man, I have, I'm a bad dude. I am not good. I am really, really bad. And I had a choice at that point to either admit that I was wrong, and then hopefully I, I did. I confessed my sin to the Lord, I'm sure. But, or we could hope that we're good enough. I could say, well, I didn't take all of the cash. Or, you know, my cousins, they're worse than I am. You know, they, they <laughs> I was going to say, they're smoking weed. But, uh, and that was kind of the, the case in their, in their lives. And you know, my, uh, my cousin, I'm saying I wasn't as bad as they were. But no, I knew deep down in my heart. And we have a choice. We can either admit we're wrong or we can hope that we are good enough. But just in case you're hoping that you're good enough, let me ask you guys a question. And we want 100% participation here. How many, by the showing of your hand, have ever lied before? Just raise your hand. All right, now keep your hands up. Look around. If anyone has their hands down, call them a liar! <laughs> right? Right? Okay, all right, good. All right, now I just told my story. You know, is there anyone, just by a show of hands, have you ever stole anything? Just slip up your hand, all right? Even a grape at the grocery store, a pencil off the desk, stole, you know, from the government through your taxes, <laughs> right? Okay, if you raise your hand to the first one, you are a liar. If you raise your hand to the second one, you are a thief. Now, I don't want you to raise your hands. But just so this is anonymous, everyone's eyes on me, just, you know, just go like this, all right? But let me, let me see. If you have ever had a lustful thought, just like this. There's a couple of guys back here going, oh, yeah. <laughs> Ladies, too, a lustful thought. You know what the Bible says? If you even look on a woman with a lustful thought, what are you? An adulterer. One more. Have you ever put something in front of God? Maybe a car or a vacation or schoolwork or a sport 
Has anyone ever done that? Just a, a show of hands. You know what they call that? That's idolatry. That's an idolatry. You are an idolater. And what the reality is, and I want you to turn in your Bibles to James chapter 2. I want everyone to be there. If you have your own Bible, I want you to underline it. If you're using one of our Bibles, underline it so when someone gets it, they'll, they'll say, hey, what was this? Listen to what it says in James chapter 2. James chapter 2, verse 10, it says, For whoever keeps the whole law, which is impossible, right, and yet stumbles at just even one point, is guilty of breaking all of the law. Now, this is talking Old Testament. Um, you know, in the Old Testament, there were, you know, hundreds of laws that, that the Jews were supposed to keep, right? And they were supposed to keep those. And it says, if you even missed one of those laws, you are guilty of breaking all the laws. And then it goes on. It says this, for he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not commit murder. If you do not commit adultery, but do commit murder, you have become a lawbreaker. You have become a lawbreaker. James chapter 2, verses 10 and 11. Highlighted in your Bible. And then in the, in the margins, you may want to write this, that you are not a good person. <laughs> you are not a good person. And I know you're saying, boy, I came to Easter Sunday morning, and uh, they said I was no good. I'm never going back there. Well, we've got some good news for you. None of us are good people. And if you're under the misunderstanding that good people go to heaven, that you have tragically mistaken. Good people don't go to heaven. Forgiven people go to heaven. And forgiven people admit that they're wrong. They're willing to say, I've messed up. I've made a mistake. I'm guilty. And the fact is, is we're all guilty. Isn't that truth? It's very true. Well, the second thing is that forgiven people ask for eternal help. Let's go back to Luke chapter 23, where the criminals, they, it's interesting, they both ask for help. The first criminal, hurling insults, he says, save yourself and us. He's saying, get us off of this, this uh, cross if you can. But he says it with contempt. And what's interesting, in verse 42, though, the other criminal says, look, we're getting what we deserve. And he just says simply, he says, remember me when you uh, when, you, when you're done. Both of them were guilty. Both of them were suffering. Both of these criminals were dying. Both needed a Savior, and one was forgiven, and the other was not. And what's great about this story is that you are one of these two thieves. You're one of them. Either today you'll find salvation and ask for help, and live a transformed life, or you'll check it off your list saying, yep, I went to church on Easter, I'm all set. You'll ignore the drawing on your heart, and you'll leave here not changed one bit. I've got good news. If you thought you were an 82 out of 100, Jesus is the 12. He makes up the difference to get to 100. If you thought you were a 12 this morning, Jesus is the 82. He makes up the difference to the 100. 
If you're a believer here, and I know many of us have given our hearts to the Lord, you are really not a zero. You're 100 because Jesus covers our sin. Say, how does that happen? Well, turn with me to Romans chapter 3. In Romans chapter 3, we see some truth here that is so important. Starting in verse 20, Romans chapter 3. It says this, Therefore, no one who uh, will be declared righteous in his sight by observing the law. Again, we don't have to follow a certain set of rules to make it. It says, Rather, through the law, we become conscious of our sin. But now, verse 21, a righteousness is from God. Apart from the law, has been known to us, made known, which to the law, the prophet has testified. Verse 22, the righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference. And then, of course, the the verse that many of us have memorized. Want to say it together? For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, right? We know that. But it comes through faith in Jesus Christ, believing in the red letters. When we look at the red letters, we understand that Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So there's nothing left for us to do. The sacrifice has been paid. There's nothing else that you have to do or say. And you know what's the thief there on the cross? Even if he wanted to, he had no time to do something right, to do something good. He could not give. He could not serve. And again, what the point is, is that good people don't go to heaven. Forgiven people go to heaven. And forgiven people ask for help. And they ask for help through faith. Through faith. Now, life is full of uncertainty. But you can be certain this morning about your salvation. In our world, there will be trouble, the Bible says. Floods, tornadoes, wars, rumors of war, gas prices, right? Earthquakes, all kinds of bad things <laughs> that come our way. How many of you have a job? If you are working, if you work at all, there will be trouble. There is going to be some uncertainty with that. How many of you raise kids uh, or have raised kids? Or even if the kids are out of the house, you're still raising kids. You, let me tell you, there will be uncertainty when there's family involved. And how many of you are breathing? Everyone take a big breath. Now let it out. <sighs> the fact is, is that our health is not certain. Uh, things can come into our lives at, the, at a split second. We could fall. We could uh, hurt ourselves. There could be something, a disease that we could get. Life is full of uncertainty. But today, your salvation does not have to be uncertain. Today, your life depends on your response to today's message. You can be certain of this, that at some point in your life, you will Face God face to face. Do not believe that when you're dead, you're just dead. That is a fatal mistake. At some point, we will all face Jesus. 
and we will have to give an account. And if we are not covered with his blood, if we are not forgiven, we will spend an eternity away from him. You may be able to ignore God today. You may be able to walk out of here without responding, saying, yes, save me, Lord. But you will not be able to have that privilege forever. So what is your deepest need today? What kind of pain or trial are you facing? Maybe you're here this morning and you're saying, man, I just need to get through school. If I could just get through school, um, you know, all my problems would be over. Or maybe you're saying, boy, if my marriage could be uh, better, or may- maybe if I could get married, you know, that's my deepest need. Or maybe you're here this morning facing some health issues or relationship issues or financial issues. You know what? All of those needs are so small compared to your huge need of salvation. And salvation is found in the red letters. The red letters where Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to me except, or to comes to the Father except through me. And you know what's great about the red letters? In the red letters, when you read through Scripture, there is love, there's truth, there's hope, there's peace and forgiveness. And the kicker of it all is there is eternal life. There is life that is found in the red letters. Let's consider the last words of Jesus in light of our own lives and where we are today, standing before our Savior.
verses I want us to look in our Bibles that really bring us to a point of decision. The first one is in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 2. I want you to flip there. It says, for he says, in the time of my favor, I heard you, and in the day of salvation, I helped you. I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Just I'll pause here for a second. If you have come this morning, if you are hurting, if there is pain, if there is trial, if there are things in your life that are difficult, now is the time of God's favor. Today is the day of favor. And then it says, now is the day of salvation. And it's not an accident that you're here today hearing this message wherever you are on your journey towards the Lord. Today is the day of salvation. Jesus wants a relationship with you. There's one other verse in Romans chapter 10 verse 13. There's a promise that we can take to the bank. It says, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. It doesn't say they might be saved, they could be saved. It says, anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And so this morning, it's really a simple message. Forgiven people admit that they're wrong, and they ask for eternal help. And the choice is up to you today. With everyone's head bowed and eyes closed, no one looking around at this moment, it is quite possible that you have come this morning, and you've got a relationship with the Lord, and you'd say, yes, Jesus is my Savior, and uh, I'm living for Jesus today. And I just want to just a show of hands if you say, yep, that's me, Pastor. I'm living for the Lord. Just slip up your hand right where you are. Lots of hands. Saying, yep, that's, I'm living for Jesus. I've chose to follow Christ. You can put your hands down. The reality is, is there were some that were unable to raise your hand for one 
reason or another. Or maybe you raised your hand just because your neighbor raised their hand. And the reality is, is that you do not know today that if the Lord was to take your life, would you go to heaven or would you spend an eternity away from Jesus in hell? This morning, if you are here, the thought of spending an eternity away from Jesus has brought some reality in your thinking. And if you're ready to receive Jesus this morning, I want you to lift up your hand right where you are. Yeah. yeah. Who else? A couple raising their hand. Anyone else? Saying, yep, that's me. I'm calling on the name of the Lord today. forsaken me, God. God had to turn away. He couldn't tolerate sin. He couldn't look even at sin. But he provides forgiveness for you. I'm going to ask that you would help me with something this morning. All of us are sitting near someone, right near someone. Would you turn to your neighbor and just ask them, do you know Jesus as your Savior today? And if they if they say yes, you can celebrate. If they say, I'm not sure, I don't know, or if they say no, in just a moment, we're going to ask for another show of hands. Just encourage them. Say, hey, I'll raise my hand with you, all right? So just do that. Just ask the person sitting next to you. Do you know Jesus is your Savior? Do you know Jesus is your Savior? wide open this morning. Anyone else saying, yep, I need to get my life right with the Lord today. Anyone else, just slip up your hand right where you are. For the couple that raised their hands, a couple of individuals that raised their hands, I'd like to pray a miracle prayer not the words of the prayer that make it miraculous. It's believing the words of the prayer in your heart. And I'm going to ask everyone to participate in that. Would you this morning? Would you say this after me? Say, Dear Heavenly Father, please forgive me for all my sins. I admit I'm a sinner. I've done all kinds of things wrong. And I need your help your eternal help. Would you save me, Lord? Take away my sin. I believe that you died on the cross. And I believe that you rose from the grave. I put my faith in you. I believe in you. Lord, save me. In Jesus' name. 
Let's give the Lord a clap offering. It says in the Bible that even when one gives their heart to the Lord, the angels in heaven rejoice. They rejoice. And we rejoice with the, the few that raise their hand today. Amen? And we know that they are starting an incredible journey of uh, peace, of love, of hope, joining the ranks of believers. Amen? If you are here this morning, if you are a guest with us, and, uh, and even if you're not a guest, we have a book on the table out in the lobby. It's the case for Easter. It's, it's written by a gentleman that that did, he was an investigative journalist and researched the validity of the story of Easter, the death and the resurrection of Christ. It's a fantastic read. It's a small book. We'd love for you to take that this morning uh, as you leave. If you're here and if you've not read that book, we've got lots of copies. You can snag one and read it and then give it to someone that needs, needs to read it. Uh, would be fantastic. The other thing that I want to say as you leave this morning uh, here just a moment, is next week we're starting that series, Red Letters. And we're not going to look at the final words of Jesus, but what we're going to do is we're going to take the seven letters that Jesus, through the revelation of John in Revelations 2 and 3, we're going to look at the seven letters to the seven churches in the New Testament. And we're going to pull out truths and deal with some real live issues that we all struggle with, and uh, we're believing that that will be a real challenge. In your bulletin, there was a little flyer or a little uh, business card, and on your way out today, every single one of you, we're going to give you five of those to give out this week. Leave them as you, you're at uh, lunch today or this week. Uh, give them to someone that you work with. If you have a place of business, you can stack them up. You can take more than five and uh, just leave them there for people to take. And we want to get the word out and let people know that God is doing some amazing things here at the Gateway Church, and you are a part of that. We want to encourage you to do that. And then the last thing, as you leave, we believe at the Gateway Church you haven't worshipped completely until you've given. And so this morning, I'm going to encourage every single one of you to give a gift uh, uh, an offering. Uh, for those that this is your church, it could be at your tithe, it could be uh, a, a gift. Um, if you're prepared this morning, we're going to give as you leave out of these doors. You'll grab a stack of, of uh, business cards to give out to friends and family and neighbors, co-workers, but also we're going to encourage you to give this morning. And so why don't you stand this morning and then we're going to dismiss with a final prayer and we'll just want to bless you and enjoy your family today. Go in the grace of God, knowing that we serve a risen King. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this morning. Lord, we thank you for working in our hearts. Lord, we thank you for challenging us. Lord, that we can, we can admit that we're wrong and that we can ask for help and that you help us. And Lord, we know people in our lives that, that are away from you or that don't, that haven't committed their lives to you. And Lord, I pray that you would just inject us with boldness, God, to be able to share your great word. Lord, help us, God, to be an example wherever we go. And Lord, today, as we leave here, we give an offering to you as well. We ask, Lord, that you would multiply it, bless it in Jesus' name. We pray that you'd go before us, behind us, and all around us. We pray these things in Jesus' name and all 
all God's people said together, amen and amen. God bless you. Go in the grace of God. Happy Easter. Amen? Amen.
Straight turning, salvation is all around.